This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast back Tuesday, May 17th, the final week of the school year. A senior show of sorts today, all of our final episodes of Five on Three. Thomas Quigley, Mike Messina here. I'm Chris Hennessy. Obviously, Quigs and Mike. Well, Mike's a Ranger fan. Quigs is an unbiased reporter. Um, and I, I put together this this squad, um, put in my request for this to be the final show uh, when the Rangers were down 3-1. I was feeling good about myself. And now I have to sit here and listen to these two talk about the Rangers winning Game 7. So, Quigs, how was the experience? Let's talk about the Rangers winning Game 7. Um you mentioned the uh, the I am an objective reporter, but um, and so I have been all season in the press box. But uh, it's very very hard to keep your emotions uh, under your sleeve uh, when a game seven uh, game winning uh, overtime goal is scored by a guy who just you know has not been there all season or all series. Sorry. Um, so that was awesome, and uh, it was really hard to to uh, kind of you know channel that emotion um, into just a, a quick little. Yes, um, <laughs> but everybody in the press box is really kind of celebrating, so that was kind of cool. Uh, you never see those guys uh, getting animated at all, and that was awesome. Uh, really fun night. Uh, it was really great to be there. <laughs> I was watching the game at a bar in New York City, and it was an electric atmosphere. Every single period, every goal. There was only there was only two Penguins fans in the entire bar. And they scored a goal. They took their shirts off and got kicked out instantly. So that, <laughs> then it was just a full Rangers bar and nothing else. And it, it was such a fun night, such a fun game to watch. Artemi Panarin coming up so clutch in that overtime period. Um, good game overall, um, all game for him. He needed this game. He needed to come out and, and kind of show us the player that, that, that everyone thinks he is again. So good for him to come out and kind of shut that narrative up that, that He's not having a good series because he, he didn't have a good series, but he had a good game seven. So I feel like that could kind of be. Uh, he didn't even really have a good game seven either. That one goal. Yeah, well, he that, scored that's the big it. goal. That, that's, that's all that matters. Yep. That's a good game right there. 100% correct. So they move on. They play the Carolina Hurricanes. And I, I feel like the Rangers got back the three guys they needed to get back in game six and seven. Obviously, we had the conversation here on Thursday last week about Igor Shosturkin. He comes back, plays a great game six and a great game seven. We had the conversation about Mika Zibanejad. He scores the game-tying goal in Game 7 and two huge goals in Game 6. We are talking about Artemi Panarin now. He was completely invisible until the biggest goal of the series. You're 100% right. If you get those three guys going, Quigs, I feel like this team could be pretty successful. Yeah, it was awesome to see Mika get going in Game 6, the two goals. Uh, Kreider, too, with two goals. Well, and, he was on all series. And a, so. Well, yes, that's true. Um, and he's been on all, all season. He's the goal leader on the team. And, uh, you know, when they needed him most, that slap shot in, in Game 7 was just absolutely dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, Good start that, to the game. That was, needed yeah, that. that's, we needed that. Uh, he could not start uh, down 2-0 again, even though they kept coming back. And... Uh, Man, it's it's good to see the superstars playing because this is you know why this is why they're on the team. They've for especially for those guys. I mean, Mika's been around since their last playoff run. Not a lot of people on this team have been around uh, for previous playoff runs. And of course, Kreider um, on that 2014 team, uh, even back 2012, he was on that team that went to the. Eastern he was on the step. On, he was on the step on team too. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, no, it's 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 great to see the the veterans in the room stepping up. And uh, Igor, you know, it's his first time around. But um, we thought that he would he would have a veteran like presence because that's just how he's been uh, in the net all season. Um, obviously, the Vesna favorite uh, might even mess around, win a hard trophy. 
But um, no, it's it's great to see that the the guys that have been stepping up all year are finally starting to step up in the playoffs. Quick, you mentioned that the top three goal scorers for the Rangers all year, Panarin, Mika, and Chris Kreider, all score a goal in Game 7, and Mika had that huge game in Game 6, scoring two. So the guys who are supposed to step up are stepping up, and if they can keep doing that, then they have a good chance against Carolina. Pittsburgh feels like they're coming to the end of an era here. I don't know why I ever believed in this team. I picked the Rangers in the bracket, but when it was 2-1 after that horrible Game 4, and it goes to 3-1. Right, which game was the which game was 7-2? That was Game 4. Yeah. Yeah. After Game 4, it was seven the 7-2 game. It was like, oh, okay, well... This is over. The Rangers can't come back from this. But I watched it against my own team two of the last three years. This Pittsburgh team has no life left, it feels like. And now the Malkin, Latang, and Rust contracts are up. Interesting comments about all three. Rob Rossi, who's a Penguins insider apparently on their uh, local sports talk radio station, said that there were three three-year, $5 million contracts, annual average, Offered to both Malkin and Latang, they both declined, and Crosby was not happy about that. Brian Rush then said either yesterday or today that he believes he has played to a higher level than what he has been paid over the last few years, which is true. Um, but interesting for him to say that. Crosby's still there for three more years. Jari's going into the final year of his contract, and a little goalie number twenty-nine as a UFA. He's a UFA, so. Very interesting offseason, obviously new management there in Pittsburgh. Um, and I feel like in good faith you can't blow it up until 87's gone. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, we don't see a lot of dynasties in sports anymore in the, in the uh, era of free agency. And this is a team that won back-to-back Stanley Cups in uh, 16 and 17. And that's boosted completely by, you know, the, the recurring characters in Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and, you know, it's it's a it's going to be bittersweet for Penguins fans to see them go, but it, if your if your ceiling is a first round exit, um, even with being up three one in the series, uh, you can't really rationalize keeping together you know aging pieces when you know this is a league that is full of young talent and that's kind of we're seeing young talent is winning these games on the ice, uh, especially in Game Five with the Rangers. So um, you know it it's going to be hard to see. You know, the team's lifeblood uh, disappear, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it, you can't just keep together an aging roster and hope that, you know, maybe you get lucky in, in these late playoff series because that's just not how you win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and that the offer that they got is it's awful. It's not a good offer for either player, but they don't really have the leverage right now, in my opinion, to, to get a higher number. The Penguins obviously need, not need, they want these players to all stay together all stay together. Chris, you mentioned it. Why break up this core with three years left on Crosby's contract? That's obviously something that he's not going to be happy about. He's not in a position to want to rebuild. He's not in a position to teach these young guys and mentor them. Well, I'm he, great mentor, I'm sure, but that's not in, that's not position he's in. He's want to, he wants to win a Stanley Cup, and he wants to win a Stanley Cup now before he doesn't have the opportunity anymore. And I quite frankly don't think that that this core is going to be together after this season. I think they're all gone. I don't think they're going to get a better contract from the Bruins, or I don't think they're going to accept a contract from the Bruins. I feel like they kind of want that split up in some from way. Pittsburgh. Yeah, and yeah. for Pittsburgh. I, I, what did I say? You said Bruins. Excuse me. I meant Pittsburgh. Um, they kind of want that a little bit just to get a new scenery and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a completely different Pittsburgh Penguins team this offseason and next season. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if Flurry went back, honestly. Not at all. But... I would be surprised if 
I would be surprised if Latang was a Penguin next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Malkin was, because I think if they have to pick one, they're going to pick Malkin. But I would be very surprised if both of them were back, to your point. And we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I can't imagine Sidney Crosby ever playing a game in a jersey that isn't that one. Neither do I. So, that was, that was going to be my next so, academic question, because it's a big if, but if Latang and Malkin were both... Do they leave, trade him? Would they consider trading him? Would he be okay with it? I mean... Depend. I mean, he's a Nova Scotia guy, so I don't know like what his hometown team is. Right. Um, so, do you try to trade him to the Canadians, but they're not any good? Do you try to trade him to Colorado? Can they afford him? I don't know. I but, don't know. Does he want to win another ring? I mean, he's got three already. Doesn't have to be a hometown team, as we saw with Brady. He just went to Tampa and I think won he. A I think he wants yeah. to win another ring. I, I, I would, would think he to, does too. I would have to yeah. guess. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it'll be a very interesting offseason for Brian Burke. And it's still funny to me that Ron Hextall is the GM of the Penguins because obviously he's a he's a flyer. Uh, but the Rangers will play the Carolina Hurricanes. They beat the Boston Bruins in the first round. Uh, the home team wins all seven games in this series, which is pretty rare. Antti Ranta was fantastic. Pitor Kochikov nailed it. Was also pretty good when he came in, but Antti Ranta steals the show here. Seems like Freddie Anderson is going to be back for game one, though. Uh, so we'll talk about Carolina first. Building was rocking. This team is really fun. I know you guys obviously don't want to see them go very far, but I think if you are a non-biased person looking at this series... Which we both are. Which, yeah, yeah clearly I am as well. Um, Carolina is a really fun team, and, and I think that they have a pretty considerable home ice advantage because that, that building is loud, man. Look, bad matchup for the Rangers going in right now, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Um, they just don't match up strength-wise and physicality-wise against this team, but I have them winning. I, I think they can get it done if... The three guys we mentioned before, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Artemi Panarin can play like the stars they've been for this Rangers team all season. Then they have a great chance if Igor Shosturkin can play like he did in the first series. That would be great as well, obviously. That 79-save performance in Game 1. But then he had some bad performances as well, letting up 2 nothing leads, getting pulled after the first period, after the second period. So if he can play like the Vezina Trophy almost winner that he's going to be, then then they have a good chance to, to take the series. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Carolina's kind of dominated the the regular season series between them and the Rangers, so that's not a great sign. But if you take that uh, into consideration for this uh, Penguins-Rangers series, I mean, the Rangers completely beat up on them all regular season. So the playoffs is a different beast, but obviously it is not easy to win in Carolina. Just ask the Bruins, who went 0-4 there in that Game 7 series, and they looked great at home. So there must be something uh, in the uh, in the Raleigh waters or in that in that arena that just makes it impossible to face off against that Carolina team. Let's talk about Boston for a second because this could be an end of an era situation for them as well. Bergeron with the the big hugs afterwards looks like he might be done. He says he's never playing for another team. Obviously that makes sense. Um, I yeah I wonder what his situation is. Seems like he might retire. Maybe do the David Krejci thing where he went and played in Europe. But losing Bergeron and Krejci in back-to-back off-seasons, they don't get Jack Eichel. They don't get, you know, the big-time center. Are they going to try to overpay for Nazem Kadri? Maybe. Um, but I feel like a lot of work has to be done for this Boston team to get back to where they were. Did they win? Oh, yeah, they won a playoff series last year. So they only won one playoff series since the 19 Stanley Cup Final, or since the 19 Eastern Conference Final. They lost to St. Louis in the Stanley Cup Final. Um... But Jeremy Swayman looked good, so that's good. But, I mean, down the middle, this team looks weak, to say the least. Eric Halda and Charlie Coyle without a, without Patrice Bergeron there. 
Yeah, I mean, they're losing all their pieces from these 2019-2013 Stanley Cup runs. Uh, you lose uh, Tuka Rask this season, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of a different uh, look with this Bruins team. And you have elite talent in, uh, in David Pasternak, and you don't want to really let his prime go. So, you know. And McAvoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. McAvoy, too. So it's time to, you know, really think this offseason through because uh, if you lose a guy like Bergeron, well, that's, you know, that's your captain. That's your that's your guy. Um, you're going to need some additional veteran leadership to come in. And, and if you want to continue this run in which they're really, like, always in the playoffs, they're always in the mix or have been. Um, throughout the 2010s so um, it's tough to stay a playoff team in this league uh, so they have a lot a lot of questions to be answered in this offseason when does Marshawn's contract end? Marshawn's contract ends at the end of 2025 so Bergeron's contract is over Pasternak ends after next year Marshand and Hall both end after 25 and McAvoy and Lindholm are there for the rest of the time I have a I feel like this could kind of be the same situation as Pittsburgh, kind of losing those core guys and then kind of revamping that offense, that defense, and bringing in a whole new team. Um, Keeping the same leadership. Goalie, I'm not sure what they're going to do in that situation, but I think this is going to be a a, a team that fights for a playoff spot for the next couple of years just with a completely different roster. I think it's going to be a, a new handful of guys coming in the locker room. Um, but look, they're a talented team. You have David Pasternak and Brad Marchand on your team, and you have a chance to to win as many games as you want. So I think it's going to be a revamped team, but they're going to be that same Bruins team, that that gritty team on the ice um, who gets things done and knows how to win. Yeah. Uh, their cap sheet is not a, f- is not a pretty-looking <laughs> piece of paper right mm-hmm. now. I will say that. Because... Pasternak is at an extremely reasonable deal, six yeah. six and two thirds. He's gonna want more, and he's gonna want ten at least. Yeah. I would think. You got, you know, Marshand at six one is not terrible, but he's gonna be thirty five, thirty seven years old yeah. when that expires. You know, McAvoy's AAV is doubling, almost doubling. You know, Brandon Carlo's locked in through twenty twenty seven. Like, I don't know. I they. The great thing about Pittsburgh was after 2009, they never like they won the Eastern Conference back-to-back years in 08 and 09. They won the Stanley Cup, and then they went through a little bit of a rebuild. But in that rebuild, up came Jake Gensel and Brian Rust and eventually Tristan Jari and replacing Chris Kunitz and Marc-Andre Fleury. That doesn't feel like it's going to happen with Boston because, you know, the 2015 draft for Boston will be forever... You know, they could have ended up with Matt Barzell, uh, Thomas Shabbat, and Kyle Connor. Instead, they got Jake DeBrusque, Jakob Zorbel, and somebody else, so I don't even know. So, Your pronunciations are on point this episode. I, I you know, I, I appreciate that. I don't even know if it's Jakob Zaborl, but it's something like that. They ended up with three bad players, and they could have had three great players. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They got a lot of old guys uh, locked up for a good long while. So we'll, it'd be very interesting to see what happens this year. And again, as I mentioned in our offseason episodes, uh, $5 million for a goalie who isn't good uh, ended up killing them because uh, Linus Olmark sat on the bench for the final five games of this series, and Jeremy Swimming's really good. So He, he, he made a bunch of great saves yeah. in that Game 7, laying out and putting his body out there. Um, obviously, he didn't get the win, but he, he played very well in Game 7. Yeah, very impressed by him. So Rangers Carolina, I think the big, the big matchup here is the Carolina penalty kill against the Rangers power play. The Carolina penalty kill is outrageously good. Jordan Stahl is 
still insanely good with the defensive forward aspect of his game, and and Jacob Slavin, probably the, one of the best defensive defensemen in the entire league, and the Rangers' power play is what's gotten them this far. This is also the Tony D'Angelo revenge series. Um, unsurprisingly, I am picking the Carolina Hurricanes in six games. I think the Rangers have had a hell of a season. I think they've had a hell of a run, um, but this Carolina team is on a different level. You saw that at the end of the season when the Rangers could have tried to take overtake them. Carolina knew that they were playing for home ice advantage in this round, in this series against this team, and they came out and stomped the Rangers in those two games. So I think I think this is Carolina in six. Yeah, I think, well, if this game goes seven, I'll definitely give it to Carolina. But I think the Rangers have a chance if they can close it out in six games uh, because it's going to be so tough to win uh, a game seven in Carolina. So give me Rangers in six, uh, Carolina seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going Rangers in six. I'm not going Carolina in seven. I'm going <laughs> Rangers in seven if they get there. That's unbiased by me, obviously. Clearly. Um, clearly. But they can, and they have a great chance to take this series. If they go to Carolina and they come back down to nothing, they are in major trouble coming to the Garden. Um, yep. Major, major trouble they, if they, they come can, down, coming down to nothing. They cannot go on the road and did do what they did over last weekend in Pittsburgh. Nope. Okay. That can't happen again. Igor Shosturkin needs to step up. Be the better goaltender in this series. Um, I think, it, to me, it comes down to a goaltender match. What goalie can can kind of be the backbone of that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, of that team and win the game for their squad? But another thing that the Rangers need is for this kid line to keep stepping up and playing like that young core, the talented guys they are on the ice, and win them this game, uh, win them this series. But the Rangers need to stop taking so many penalties. Every single game, putting themselves in five-on-three situations, double minors that that hey, they got in Game Six. So that's going to be one thing that that this team is going to need to stop with the penalties and just get back to playing their game of hockey. Yeah, I will say I've been uh, somewhat impressed by the Rangers' penalty kill, but I'd much rather not see them on the ice. So just well said. Take uh, less uh, stupid penalties and just you know. Tyler, Ryan, sorry, Ryan Lindgren too comes back in, in Game Five. Yeah, win three in a row. I didn't. Does he bring that much spark and energy to this team? Or is that just they love like Lindy. Sense? They love Lindy. They, they didn't love even, him. He didn't even look like he was 100. No. percent And yeah, he's a, he's a good defenseman. I was going to say Tyler Mott came back for Game Seven. Ryan Lindgren came back for Game Five. Mott had a breakaway that he should have scored he on. Definitely yeah. should have scored on that. Looks like Barkley Goodrow not going to come back. Uh, he has a lower body injury that all the rumors are saying it's a broken foot. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and they're going to have to face their old buddies, uh, Tony D'Angelo. Brady, Brady Shea, Brendan Smith, Jesper Faust, Derek Stepan, and I think there's one more, Antti Ranta. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I'm uh, so excited to hear MSG's uh, Bronx cheers oh, for yeah. Tony, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, Boston was getting on him, and that he, is Sunday yeah. afternoon, 3.30, the first game at Madison Square Garden. That place is going to be loud when oh, 77 no. touches the puck. Oh, yeah. D'Angelo took a bad hit in Game 7 against the Bruins, got back up, and then his teammates, I forget who it was, his teammates started attacking him, and then he's pulling everyone back trying to resolve the situation. I'm like, that's not like Tony Davis. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> what's going on here? So that is one Eastern Conference semi. The other one is the Battle of Florida. We'll start with the Panthers. They beat Washington in six games. Florida, as we kind of talked about last week, they looked vulnerable, but at the end of the day, they they, they got things done in game six. Carter Verhage was fantastic. You look to see more from Alexander Barkov. Um, and at the end of the like. What else can you say? They went 0 for 18 on the power play, which is not going to happen again. Not ideal. Uh, and they still won in six games. So they looked vulnerable. They were bad at the power play. They still won in, in a tight six games over Washington. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect anything different. 
they're obviously the better team than Washington. Um, but it would have been nice to to see another game seven. Um, I've been seeing a lot of tweets. This is kind of not having to do with this game, but I see a lot of tweets: NBA playoffs better than NHL playoffs, and that's well, just that's just, that's false, just dumb yeah. and, and false. Because you would we have five game sevens in the first round. Well, I mean, um, even outside of that, look at game seven of Phoenix Dallas. Like that was yeah. one of the worst mm-hmm. sporting events I've ever watched in my life. I would have liked to see Capitals win Game Six, force a Game Seven, sure. and, and see if see if Ovechkin and, and company have what it takes to to get out of this first series. But I'm pumped for for this next series. I am so pumped for this next series. I don't know what you guys are what are what your guys' predictions are, but this is going to be a series that that I'll be tuned in for every game. It's it's going to be electric from the start, um, and it's kind of what everyone expected. I feel like. Yeah, it's becoming an annual annual tradition. Uh, the uh, Battle of Florida, obviously, the Lightning coming out on top last year and defending their title uh but if it's any team that's going to take down this lightning team um or at least the best storyline would probably be their their buddies in the east uh finally dethroning tampa bay during this uh dynastic i literally have written down florida's chance to take the throne that's what this feels like this feels like the panthers chance to knock off tampa finally they had the chance to do it last year but this feels like this is the best panthers team in uh, franchise history regular season wise they haven't won a playoff series since they went to the Stanley Cup final in 96 now they finally slay that beast they'll probably be playing a little freer I agree with you I, I I love this matchup for Florida because it feels like they they are the Jets they are the Mets they are like that secondary team right now who are looking to overtake the throne yeah but Tampa's coming in with with the goaltender who has the most experience in the last few years with the playoffs obviously and Andre Vasilevsky but Bobrovsky beat Vasilevsky the last Mm -hmm. time or I guess they played last year in the playoffs but but going going into the series if you're taking one of the two you're taking Andre Vasilevsky from that experience from the back-to-back cups and and look he he's a he's obviously not obviously not this season with Igor but the most prepared and talented goaltender in the league in my opinion and if he's out there he's healthy the Lightning have every chance in the world to win this series and it, it it might not even go seven. I could see it going six games or even five games if one team can really just never get that get their feet under them. This is going to be a series that that a lot of people talk about, and it's going to be a very very intense series because I feel like both teams are coming out swinging. Florida wants that revenge, like you mentioned, Chris, and they have a chance to get it. Yeah, Vasilevsky even didn't even look that good in uh, against Toronto. So uh, if they can win a, a first round series, of course it is Toronto, so it's really hard to lose to them in a playoff series, but. Uh, if they can get through them, because uh, they are a tough team. All, all joking aside, uh, without you know Vasilevsky at his at the top of his game, you know it's 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 hard to go into that series uh, as Florida, uh, knowing that this guy just had an off series and is probably trying to prove something in this next one. They are always in it, no matter what the scores or really how they're playing. They always have a chance to come back with the guys they have on the ice. That that is absolutely true. So Florida against Tampa, and you know what that means? That means the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did it again. They won game five at home. It felt like this was going to be the one that they finally slayed the beast. Last week was when we recorded the episode, it was the day of game six. You heard Tyler Mooney, who was sitting right where Thomas Quigley is now, say, I would pick Tampa by two or three goals in game six. They're going to roll over this Toronto team. I agreed with them. I think a lot of people did. They ended up winning that game in overtime. It was Braden Point who scored the goal, but that was a very impressive game for Toronto. If I, and I tweeted it out at Tyler and Sam. John Tavares had a 2016 put-this-team-on-my-back game and probably the best game he's had as a Toronto Maple Leaf, certainly the best playoff game he's had as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Felt like they were going to do it in Game 6. They end up losing in overtime. Then they go back home for Game 7, and 
they lose again. They lose 2-1, to one, so they score one goal in this game. They scored one goal in Game 7 against Montreal that came with like two minutes left in the game when it was already over. And they were shut out against Columbus in Game 5, the winner-take-all game there. So that's obviously there's the two Boston games as well, but those are three consecutive years now where they have scored two goals in three winner-take-all games. They collapse. First off, what did we think of the Tavares goal being taken off the board there? Did you see this? The Joseph Hall. I think it was a good call, personally. That guy, The defenseman comes down. It was like a pick in, in basketball. It, it, the, he, the only reason he could have been skating that way, in that direction, towards that guy was to set a pick to free up Tavares. To me, that's an easy call. I know some people disagree with it. Uh, did you see it, Quiggs? Um, yeah, I just pulled it up right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that was an easy call. Uh, and they lose 2-1. to one. Again, two goals from Nick Paul. Uh, it's hard to believe, but also very easy to believe. I was watching the highlights this morning, prepping for the show, and I see it, and I'm... I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that's a good play by I, who? Who's uh, the, just Joseph Hall? Hall. So, so it was a good play. I thought I didn't really. I, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, is this allowed? And then <laughs> obviously it gets reviewed, and it's not allowed. Good call though. I mean, I mean, he clearly interfered with him. He kind of just stepped right in front of him, knocked him over, so he couldn't get. And that's the only reason John Tavares skated to the middle of the ice, had all that room, and shot. Sick play though. I gotta admit. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if it was legal, it'd be a great play. It's sick play. <laughs> he set it up. Perfectly, the, the nice pick and roll there. Um, quick shot by Tavares, and that place erupted. But they ultimately scored, what, like three minutes later? Yeah. Um, obviously, big difference. It would could have been a, a... Would that have tied it? I don't remember. No, that would have that made it 1-0, yeah. No, yeah. it would have... Yeah, I think it would have made it 1-0. And obviously, taking that goal off sucks, but good call. Like, he, he yeah. clearly he skated right into him and didn't let him play defense. Yeah. It, I, I, I truly, like, I don't know what else to say about this team. Like... The question is, is it time to blow it up? And my response would be, how the hell are you going to trade any of these players? Yeah. I mean, I you can't blow them up. They're, this is a team that actually has expectations to go deep in the playoffs every year. It's just that they choke. And, like, as much as like, you want to say, like, oh, that's just what the Leafs are. That's just what they do. Um, there's no scientific explanation for that. Like, <laughs> like this, is, it's not just that they're cursed. Like, they, this has just got to be bad luck that they just put together – Great teams every year in and out, and then yet seem to always choke on the final stage. Maybe it has something to do with the pressures of playing in a market like Toronto that that you know demands success each year and is always just let down every single year. I mean, it's tough to be a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and yet they are such diehards. It's it's hard to imagine getting excited about a team that constantly lets you down this hard. I think it's because they have Drake betting on every single game they play in. The, 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 Drake, <laughs> a, the Drake, curse, Drake curse. The Drake curse. The Drake is curse is a real hard. thing. I will say that. Yeah. The Drake oh, yeah. curse is real. Alabama, uh, I'm pretty sure he bet on Alabama. Yeah. They lost, yeah. Now, yeah. This, now this sports gambling is out there. Drake, The Drake curse is going to come out more than we ever knew. Because it was just when you would see him in a jersey that the Drake curse would start. Now it's every day. Like, bet, on Con- just, yeah. bet on Conor McGregor broke his leg. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the tough, Drake curse is tough. Really tough for Drake, but I don't know how how, how this team can kind of just blow it up with, with, with the roster they have with Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. I mean... You read this roster on paper, and they're in the Stanley Cup Finals every single year, yeah. and they just cannot get out of this first round for some reason. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's unfortunate to watch. I would love to see these players. I mean, Austin Matthews had 106 points and 60 goals this season. Like, I would love to see him play further than the first round of the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and it, it just can't happen. I mean, it's in, they're incapable of letting this happen because of the team I root for. I, I, I took great joy in this, of, of course. course. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. As American hockey fans, we should want Austin Matthews to go a real long way. Um, 
and he is on the team that is cursed, and I think will be cursed for a long time. Looking at their UFAs, uh, Giordano probably going to walk because uh, they're just not going to have the money. Uh, Ilya Labushkin, who's 28, he might walk. They have Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren to sign to RFA contracts. Colin Blackwell, Jason Spezza, Ilya Mikheyev. So nothing crazy. Uh, obviously, some of those guys you're going to want to keep. Pierre Engvall is an RFA arbitration, right? So he's a really good player. They're probably going to want to keep him. Uh, so Matthews has two years left. Tavares, three. Marner, three. Nylander, two. And then uh, Morgan Riley just signed that contract. So he's there forever through 2030. Um, the question. I feel like that's a long time, dude. Away. It's. Damn. I mean, it's eight years away. So, um, the question comes in goal. Both goalies are thirty years old. Both Peter Razik and Jake Jack Campbell. Excuse me. They. Jack Campbell is a UFA, getting paid one point six five million dollars. This was paid one point six this season. Is a UFA this summer. Peter Morazic, who is bad, uh, was paid three point eight this season, next season, and the season after that. It feels like they could go into next year with two different goaltenders, and it feels like they probably should go into next year with two different goaltenders. I like Jack Campbell a lot, but I I don't know who's really out there that you could nest. Like Darcy Kemper's going to be UFA, but is he even going to leave Colorado? Like, what about a Mark Andre Fleury? That would that? be very interesting. I I it sounds like he doesn't want to go to Canada. That was a whole thing with the Oilers at the trade deadline, but I I I would I would say trade Peter Morazic. And try to re-sign Jack Campbell. But maybe maybe they're not going to do that. Maybe they're going to go after Flurry. I don't know. But that's going to be the big question for them is what do they do in goal. Because unless you trade Jake Muzzin, who's thirty, going to be 34, and is going to be 5.6 for two more seasons, I don't know who else you can trade besides Jake Muzzin. So. I have some unrelated news to relay. Okay, uh, hit me. Toronto Maple Leafs' Mitch Marner was the victim of a car jacket. Oh, I saw this, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, on I Tuesday. Gonna, I was going to bring that up at the end. Uh, uh, held that was held at gunpoint. Yeah. It's, wow. Oh no, that was last night. That was last, last night, seven forty-five yeah. p.m. Yeah. So, well, hope he's all right. Hope he's okay. Uh, yeah. He is. Ha- he is okay. That's what Austin Matthews says. Uh, good thing he wasn't hurt. But geez, that's scary. That is scary. Anyways, yeah. all right. Any thoughts on the on the Maple Leafs offseason? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough situation because you have a team that just is ready to win, and they just don't. So, <laughs> and I, I, I get a Maple Leafs <laughs> fan being sick of this core. I get. How it. can you not? How I could mean, you not be? Yeah. But but then you would think like well if we trade these guys, we're we're just gonna be worse. I feel like because they have they have such strong regular they win right in the regular season they win. This, this is a team that wins the best the most points in a regular season ever. Everybody was freaking out at the beginning of the season because they were not winning, and then they were like, hey, we're you know we are a team that is a a competitor for the Stanley Cup in the regular season, but they never are in the playoffs. So it's just. It's a really tough situation. I don't know what to do. I'm not a GM. I'm not a GM either. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. I think it's going to be one of the more interesting off seasons in the entire league, as year four of the John Tavares experience in Toronto lose, ends with another first round exit. It's hard to believe. I read on Twitter today that they should strip him of his C and then put it on Matthews. I, I thought mean, it made me laugh. Feels like they're not going to do it, that. It just made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I, feel, I, I read trots to Toronto and my head exploded. <laughs> I, I, I think so, I, I think you tweeted about I, that. Oh, I did. <laughs> We'll get to Lane Lambert later. Um, That's Florida and seven. We'll talk. Yeah, weird move. But. Florida and seven. Um, I think I'm going to take Tampa and six. 
I am looking back at our text message to make sure I knew what I took. Florida in seven. <laughs> you took Florida in seven. Florida in seven. Okay. Florida. Did I? I took Tampa in six. Right? Which is weird because I always say on this podcast, you, I'm this never. Was, you I'm had never, a rule last year. I'm never betting I'm against. I'm not the betting Stanley against Cup Tampa yep. until they until they make me. And I want to. And you, but I just have them. I have Florida in my bracket, and I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I have to go four for four again. So I mean, I Fair have enough. to take them, but I don't see a need to bet against the the two time defending stuff. Defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, I mean, look, look, I mentioned before, Andre Vasilevsky can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants out there at all times. Um, and if he can do that, they're going to win this series. But I just think Florida's coming in with a little revenge and they want to win this game, uh, this series. I mean, speaking of the brackets, let's give a little update. James Burley in the lead, the dirty dog of the MLS, as Cook's called. Uh, he gets seven out of eight correct, and uh, so he's count. so he's <laughs> he's in the lead. Um, I'm in second. And Sam is with the bronze medal right now. Um, Tyler in dead last because he had uh, Dallas speeding Calgary. Yeah. And hey, hey, getting real close, though. <laughs> hey, they did come really close. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, these two buffoons are tied in fourth uh, with 69 points. Nice. Nobody lost their champion. So at the end of the day, that's pretty good. Nobody was perfect, but nobody lost their champion. So. That's our bracket update. I uh, saw Wayne Gretzky has a perfect bracket. Wayne so Gretzky oh, yeah. went eight for eight. He know? didn't pick the games right though. He did not pick the. I games think he got right. like half of them right. Yeah, teams is more than enough. Teams, I would, say, I would agree. He got eight for eight. He got St. Louis over Minnesota, uh, which is where we'll go now. We talked about Colorado beating Nashville, um, and we said they were awaiting the winner of St. Louis Minnesota. So that winner is the St. Louis Blues. I was very disappointed by the Minnesota Wild. I think that's my main takeaway. I thought that they were going to be a better team than this. Uh, Flurry was not great. They go to Cam, Cam Talbot in Game Six. He was not great, and they end up losing on home ice or no on the road. In ga- they lost on home ice in Game Five, the pivotal Game Five. Then they go to St. Louis and lose in Game Six. Jordan Binnington looks fantastic again, and now the Mark Andre Flurry experience in Minnesota probably over unless they're able to resign him as their cap crunch comes in next year with those Parise and Suter buyouts. Look, none of the games in this series are even remotely close. Yeah, um, weird series. It, it was all a three or four uh, uh, four goal lead or four goal win for either side. Games two and three, it was six two and five one for the Wild, and then four nothing five two five two five one. It it was an interesting series. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't have my eyes glued to this one as much as I did all the other series and all the other close games. I mean, Bennington played lights out, like a lot of people expected him to. I think the Blues have a chance to make a good good run in this playoffs. Um, good team, and, and I really don't think that. Mark Andre Fleury not having a good season in Minnesota is all on him. I mean, bouncing around from Chicago to Minnesota, um, never really got stable in a position this year, um, and I think that kind of costed him a lot. But I don't know what I don't know what's going on with this Minnesota team. They have they have a good squad. They have what it takes to get it done, but that they couldn't get close to beating the Blues this series. Yeah, I mean we we're we we're chatting with Doc Emmerich about this. How, yeah, no <laughs> how, uh, <laughs> how these games have been so lopsided. Uh, even in like a a series where the teams are kind of w- winning back and forth games, like like we had in this one, but um, with the Wild, it's it's kind of a team that like ever, everybody gets behind because they're a fun team to watch. I mean, they have the most exciting player in the league, ar- arguably in Kirill Kaprizov. Everybody wants to see that team make a run, and yet they really never seem to. Um, so another first round exit for them against this Blues team. I uh, I was kind of kicking myself immediately after uh, my pick for the Wild in this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I really. I think it's literally just because I wanted to see them win. Um, That's but, why I picked them. I'll be straight up. Yeah. I just wanted to see yes. them win. I wanted but, to see uh, them do well. I picked them 
I I just picked him. Yeah, I don't really. That's fair. Obviously, that. obviously, game one made me rethink my decision. That four nothing loss uh, for the Wild, but I mean the way they fought back in game two and made made you think that they had a chance in it. But um, and I mean they took a lead, but they did. You know, this is not uh, this is not the way it went, and uh, the Blues fire back for three straight wins, and they're headed off to go lose to the Avs. It just <laughs> well, and, and the games weren't even close in any aspect right. of, of the game. It was always one team had the advantage on. Every side of the puck. Which is why game. game five was so weird, because game five was the one where Kaprizov ends the first period with two power play goals. Right. And it's 2 nothing, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this one's to Minnesota, and mm-hmm. then St. Louis came storming back. So just a very weird series. Um, Off-season-wise for them, the big one is Kevin Fiala. He's getting paid $5.1 million this year. He's an RFA with Arbrights. Uh, and as I mentioned, the buyout situation with Parise and Suter, total pay... On the like total cap hit for the buyouts this season was four point seven. Next year it's twelve point seven. So if you say so, you that's an eight million dollar difference. The cap's going up by one million dollars. That's seven. You take away the Fiala contract that gets you at about two, uh, and they had uh, one point five left. So they still had to clear about five hundred thousand to to meet the cap, um, and that's without adding anybody. That's without adding a goaltender. Uh, so it's. I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting offseason for Bill Guerin and Dean Evanson and see what they do there. They do have a lot of their core besides Fiala signed long term, so that is good. They have Kaprizov through twenty six. They have Zuccarello for two more years. They have Erickson Eck through twenty nine. So they're not going anywhere. I think they're still gonna be a good team next year, but we will see how this offseason plays out for them. I think that they, yeah, I would put them as them in Toronto as the two most interesting teams in the league in terms of what their offseason looks like. As you mentioned, the St. Louis Blues play the Colorado Avalanche. Last time they played in the playoffs was just last season when Colorado swept St. Louis out of the building. It wasn't even close. Uh, Colorado, this is their this is their Toronto first round, though, right? They haven't been out of the second round since 2002. Nathan McKinnon and this core have never been out of the second round. This team feels different. I will 100% admit that, but we said it last year, too. And the St. Louis team looks really good. Jordan Bennington's doing his thing again. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm tempted to pick St. Louis, I'll be honest. I'm not. I uh, I think the Avs are finally going to put it to bed uh, this year because this is just such a strong team. And obviously we've seen regular season greats go down uh, in Toronto. Uh, but, I don't know. There's just something different about this team. I think they finally put... Bury the hatchet, uh, especially against this Blues team. I don't. I mean, they they had a good series. I don't think that they're really built to make a deep run. Uh, I think they got kind of, you know, fortunate. Uh, you know, Flurry wasn't at the top of his game in this series. Uh, I wonder if we'll see him in a Wild jersey next year. Uh, my inclinations that he that we won't. But um, no, I, I'm going to take the Avs, and I think I said Avs at five. I'm going to stick to that. Yeah, I'm with you here, Quiggs. I, I don't think. The Blues, yes, I think they have an opportunity to make a, a long run in this, of course, but this Avalanche team feels different than any other Avalanche team in the in, in the neat, the rear, in the, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The McKinnon era. Recent pass. Yes, in the recent pass is kind of what I'm trying to get at. Um, look, they, they they feel different right now. They, they are a very, very good hockey team. Cale McCarr is playing the best hockey of, of his young career to to this far. Landis, Cog, and McKinnon, um, I mean... Look, this is the year if the Colorado Avalanche want to get out of the second round and third round, this is going to be the year to do it. And I think they do. I think Colorado wins this series in six. Um, I think it's going to go – they might lose the first game, lose the second game, but 
they're going to come back and they're going to be able to take down the Blues. And I kind of think it's going to be a lopsided, a lopsided scoring series, just like it was in, in Blues and Wild as well. I got St. Louis in seven. St. Louis in seven. I I don't hate that. I like that. I can't pick a I can't pick a curse. Like you know, like I picked Florida to beat Washington, but that was different because that was the number one against the number sixteen. Like that felt a little different, and them winning for the first time since ninety six was expected. I can't pick a curse. I just can't. And they are cursed in this year in this round. They won game one last year a billion to nothing, and then lost four of the next five games against Vegas. So I'm gonna pick St. Louis and um, probably get burned for that. But I picked Minnesota to beat them in the second round in the original bracket. So, you know, I'm not benefiting from this in the bracket in any way. But I am gonna pick St. Louis. I think people are sleeping on them. And if Jordan Bennington can do half of what he did uh, in 2019, I think that they are they are primed to to win this series. Definitely bold to take the away team in a game seven. Yeah, uh, especially true. especially true. against the best team in the West, probably the best team in the league this regular season. Uh, you're yeah. not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong about that. So the final second round series is going to be the Battle of Alberta. Edmonton wins Game Seven at home on what was that Saturday? And Connor McDavid decided after Game Five that he was going to go full blown psycho mode and and single handedly win these games. I mean, this guy is just an animal. He, he's mean, unreal. He I, he. When I say psycho mode, he went. Complete another psycho mode. I am trying to pull up. Okay, this is the Dmitry Filipovich tweet from yesterday. With him on the ice at five on five, this is in the full round. All he had, the Oilers had seventy one point one percent of the scoring chances, had an expected goals percentage of seventy point six. In the final two games, he played forty five out of one hundred and six possible five on five minutes. He played half the game it, it, as a forward. And had a goal and an assist in a 2 nothing win in Game 7. Um, he put the team on his back. Leon Dreisaitl's hurt uh, pretty considerably. They said he has a high, high ankle sprain, played through Game 7 with it. So that'll be something to watch. But if he can do, I mean, I don't know if you could pos- a single human could possibly do that for seven games. But if he can, uh, <laughs> they're looking pretty good, I guess. I mean, that goal he scored in Game 7, I think he got three shots off of it before he actually scored the puck, wrap around the net, missed the wrap around, rebound, and then... Ended up backhanding it into the back of the net, and and he is unreal. I mean, Chris, you just mentioned that that you don't know if a single person can do it. I think if there is any person in the world who could do this for any team, any sport, it's Connor McDavid can do it for the Oilers. I, I mean, this team needs to win this series. If yep. if they don't want to keep getting this criticism that they've been getting about Connor McDavid, about can this core with McDavid and Drysaitel get this thing done, they need to win win, win this series here. And I don't know if they're gonna. I gotta be honest. I'm not sure if they're gonna. Yeah, yeah. There's some precedents for uh, a a man in in Edmonton leading a team um, almost not really single handedly because of course he had Mark Messier there for most yeah, of his a story. story. I mean, they um, had a, but, they had a Hall of Fame goaltender right. which the Oilers don't have. Of course, they had a Hall of Fame defenseman which the Oilers don't have. And yeah, sure, Gretzky had a Hall of Fame offensive partners which McDavid has one, not yeah. three, but right. one. Right. So yeah, no, he's kind of. I guess there's a he's a little bit unprecedented what he's doing, but at the same time, this is a team that really has not seen a deep run in his time with them. So maybe this is the year. Uh, obviously, you had a, a a weak opponent in the first round, and you know, and you went seven games with them. So um, you know that's it's good to come out on top, especially in 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 such a seven you know seven games is a, is a great way to win a series in the in the, the win or go home uh, final game. So. 
you know, you got a little bit of momentum there, but you're probably tired after this, you know, having to face off against this team, but we, which we all probably pre- predicted being the weakest of all the teams in the playoffs uh, in the LA Kings. So, I mean, I didn't see that game going anywhere close to seven games. Yeah, the series, the yeah. Kings. yeah. It's crazy. Um, but they, I mean, they kind of played out of their minds. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jonathan Quick kind of resurged as, as the guy um, in that for LA. But, uh, no, now we uh, Dustin Brown no longer no longer yep. an NHL player. Dustin uh, Brown good career. Uh, I'm not gonna see. I'm not gonna be too sad to see him go. Uh, he might have broken my heart a little bit. Gee, I wonder why. But um, unbiased yeah. reporter. No, it's uh, I'm very unbiased, so I actually uh, <laughs> it will be sad for the game to see him go. Uh, the Kings will be good in the future. I I do think that Jonathan Quick was awesome. I think they do have to solve some goaltending issues because he's obviously not the goalie of the future. No. He but played a great series. He though. played an, he awesome, played an series. awesome series. It was good to see him do it one more time. 39 saves in Game 7, too. Yeah, he's awesome. And then I was really impressed by two of the defensemen, Sean Dersey and Mike Anderson. I thought both of them played a very good series, um, despite getting worked by Connor McDavid. Uh, they will play the Calgary Flames. Uh, as you know, we talked about on the picks episode, I was making fun of Tyler for picking Dallas because uh, I thought this was going to be a slaughter. Uh, and it was Game 7 overtime, so I was wrong about that. But he was also wrong because Calgary wins. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm shocked this took seven games, but it was because of the Jake Ottinger coming out party. He was freaking amazing all series long. Good for him. He ends, he ends having lost a seven-game series with the highest save percentage of the first round. That feels very difficult to do. So he, But he did it, and Calgary is going to be able to open things up a little bit. Edmonton, obviously, not the defensive juggernaut Dallas is. So things are going to open up a little bit for Calgary. You're going to see a different team in the second round. So excited to see Calgary play like a, like a real hockey team. Um, but good for Jake Ottinger. American goaltending is uh, doing pretty well right now. So good for Jake. Any other thoughts on this boring series? Yeah, oh my God. I mean, the God, shots a, were insane God, in that game a, what, seven. It was like yeah. 60 to 30 in the overtime. They had they had 125 shot attempts in game seven, Calgary. They had more shots on goal at one point. Or I think at the end of the game, then Dallas had shot attempts. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. It was ridiculous. We actually, I after the game uh, in uh, after game seven for the Rangers, me and uh, Colin Locker. It was our first game ever covering uh, together, so that was fun. But we we uh, went down and, and met Sam Bohr, another mm-hmm. NHL uh, or five on three member, and uh, we went to the Canuck. Great yes. place, great Canadian bar. Uh, I don't know how New York neighborhoods work, Lower West Side, somewhere, something like that. Uh, it was like 23rd Street, like 9th Ave. Uh, great place to watch a hockey game. It was actually like very cool place. Only opened up like right after, like I think in like December or something like oh, that. Cool. Um, but yeah, definitely go down there, check out a hockey game, especially for playoff hockey. And we were watching the overtime there or in the third period uh, for Flames, Stars. And, uh, you know, that was a, there were so many different chances in that overtime. Like really could have gone either way. Um, but, you know, Johnny Gaudreau puts it in from a incredible angle. Uh, did not think that a, a puck could go in from that uh, angle, but it did. And uh, they're moving on, and I think that they're a stronger team than we saw in that first series. Uh, I think that they will take down uh, Edmonton, even with Connor McDavid playing uh, on God mode. Yeah, and, and Jacob Peterson had a great chance in the third period. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. Mm-hmm. Takes a turnover. Splits the defenders right at the right at the circle, gets through them. Nice shot, and Markstrom made a phenomenal save to to keep them off the board right there. But Quicks again, I'm with you in this series. I don't think that 
Connor McDavid by himself, Connor McDavid with Leon Dreisaitl are going to be able to take down this Calgary Flames team. I think it's, I believe I said Calgary in 56 to start it off. Yes, And my fat <laughs> fingers made me do that. So I'm back to Calgary in five. I think it's going to be kind of a boring series. Um, and I don't think people are going to be surprised when the Oilers kind of collapse in this series to them. I feel like no, a lot of people are expecting that to happen. Um, and if not, I can't wait for them to t- tell me I'm right. Because um, that's, that's what I see happening. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Sam shared a video on Instagram of the Canuck after the Panarin yeah. goal, and she had invited all of us down. Yeah. Which in the group text includes myself. Yeah. Only some of us actually show. Oh, I, I was busy. I was driving I, back from yeah. Connecticut, packing up my room. I so. did bail on her at yep. like the very last second. Yep. Oh, so you're making fun of him now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, even our producer Ryan Gregor was invited, and he did not come. He down, didn't go so. either. We got Look flakes all over the flakes yeah. everywhere. So sorry, Station. Sam. I did bail. Not me. Very not last me, second, Sam. I apologize. So, but I was not able to go legitimately. As you posted that video, and I texted her, I said, Sam, you wanted me there when that happened? And she was like, you would have become a Ranger fan. I was like, please, Sam. If it was if it, if it was, if it was, was for the freedom of America, I don't think I would. Chris Hennessy is the biggest New York Rangers hater I've ever met. No, Burley, Burley might be bigger than I am. Burley voted so? against Shesterkin in all of our awards. I at least voted for him. Burley like didn't put him in. I mean, yeah, Burley's credibility is now gone. <laughs> He's a dirty dog. No, he he did vote for him for Vesna, but he put him as like fifth in the heart trophy. Um, but the dirty dog, yes. Uh, so let's pick this one. You said Calgary five. Yep. I have Calgary in seven. So I have three seven game series, which would be a lot of fun. You think it, really? Yeah. All right, I like that. Yeah, why not? I think I picked Calgary in five. No, uh, you picked Calgary in seven. Calgary in six. Okay. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Well, which one? That's I, what I have I, written down. Because I originally said five, and then I was like, nah. Yes, that's right. Yes. I think I really like, I mean, the Battle of Alberta, it, it's always fun to watch, especially in the playoffs. So I think that'll kind of, there's th- these fan bases are going to have so much fun with this oh, yeah. game. I think it's going to be so hard to win in the in the other's arena. That's why I like seven games in this one. Um, also, you just have two great teams that are going at it, so. Yeah, Quiggs, you said Flames in five, then 20 minutes later said, actually, give me Flames in seven. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. Works yeah. out. Hey, you know and that was my that was my decision making. Flames, right? if Flames win, we all look good. So that's true, that's true. very true. So uh, we'll have this as a graphic up, but recap: I am lone wolfing the Hurricanes. Shocking. Quiggs is uh, the lone picker of the Lightning. I am the lone picker of St. Louis, and we all have Calgary. So I might go in. Well, not chalk because the Rangers are the underdog, but other three are going chalk, which makes sense. Mm. But mm. yeah, so yeah. all all four division winners win there. Uh, first round series, five of them go seven, and it was a great weekend of hockey this past weekend. Four of the five games were one goal games. The only one that wasn't was a two nothing game. So pretty good, pretty pretty good weekend, especially when it's opposite a sixty point basketball game. Except I'm, just, I'm disappointed in that there was no Monday hockey game. Yeah, what the there hell was is no, this? There was no hockey. There was no bat. Not that I would have watched the basketball anyway. There was no basketball. There was nothing on. To I was watch. so bored last I night. I just played GTA all, all night. With I played I played Xbox all night long. <laughs> Now we need some sports. Uh, we need Jeez. some sports. And we're back tonight. Uh, Battle of Florida starts things out, and then Colorado-St. Louis after that. So we had two coaching news things yesterday. I was not bored because I was on uh, Zoom with Lane mm. Lambert and Lou Lamorello. As Lane Lambert is hired as the coach of the Islanders. If you go back and listen to the emergency episode uh, that I recorded with Thomas Quigley and Stefan Rosner from New York Hockey Now, we lamented that Lou said they needed a new voice, and that to all three of us, signaled that it was not going to be Lane Lambert. Now it is. Um, my personal opinions are um, that there's something else going on here that we're not privy to. Uh, but in terms of the actual coaching hire, I, the players obviously like him. 
Uh, he did well when he was the interim coach when Trotz had COVID and then his mother passed away. So I think they aren't going to miss a beat, and hopefully things go well. I don't really know what else to say. I don't have too many crazy opinions about this. Look, I don't really know much about this guy, to be completely honest, but if you're going to come out and say that you need a new voice in the locker room and then just hire somebody that has already been on the staff. I agree. It, I agree. it doesn't sit well. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure it doesn't sit well with the players either. I'm sure it doesn't sit well with Barry Trotz. Well, the players like um, him. So. Yeah, but give, better, Trotz give a better excuse. For him. Give a better excuse. Well, that, this is my theory. Let's look, I, I have a theory. What are your thoughts on the Lane Lambert? Well, I was just going to ask if are either of you watching uh, Winning Time? The, yes, yes, I am. you are. So it's the same situation. Similar, similar. Yes, but maybe I mean, not same. It's very similar situation. Although I you know, obviously we don't have any of the behind the scenes footage that we do in this. You know, you should watch it. Somewhat right? fictionalized. It's called Winning Time. That's why I didn't answer because I have no clue what it is. Yeah, yeah it's so an HBO the, uh, dramatization of the 1980 Lakers that won that Magic's rookie year that won the NBA championship. It's very good. Mm, yes, very, very good. Jerry West is suing HBO because he doesn't like his depiction. I did oh. hear that, but other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I I'm sure everybody who is depicted in that the show magic can't be hates, too happy oh, either. Yeah, magic. magic cannot be happy. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Paul Westhead probably not no, happy. No, 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 no. Even Jerry. I mean, nah. Jerry's not happy. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Buss. Uh, no Jerry Buss. With us, yeah. So He's he wouldn't good. be happy. He, if he was alive. definitely would not. Genie can. <laughs> Genie probably happy with herself, not happy with Jerry. Yeah. No. They uh they really go after Anyways. pretty much everyone in that series. But yes, this is not that's not a hockey show. But what I'm saying is in that show, obviously for those who. Don't watch it or maybe listening to this podcast. Um, uh, what is Jack, Jack McKinney yeah, falls Jack off McKinney. the bike. Yes, he and he has a near death injury. Near death injury. He's not able to coach. They pull mm. up Paul Westhead to be the head coach. Yeah, and he's the assistant to Jack McKinney, and they end up winning fifty games in the regular season. They go on, they win the NBA championship, the whole thing. So yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a situation like that where they don't miss a beat. But my theory is that Lane Lambert was going to take the Detroit job, and Lou was done with Barry, and he just said, "Screw it, let's just do it now." That. But I don't know. I don't know. But you have to be sitting here, especially as an Islanders fan and, and anybody in the Islanders organization who's not up to speed with, with what goes through the front office process. Pete DeBoer gets fired the next day. This you is have to be okay. Si- you have no, to be not even there. the next day. Like five minutes day. later. You have to be sitting there like, what's going on Th- now? This is my main issue. And Pete DeBoer fired by the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I was, I, they had to cut the press conference short. I was not called on. I don't like. I don't think it's personal, but I just wasn't. My question to Lou was going to be: Was there any consideration in letting the rest of the coaching carousel play out? Coaches being fired in the postseason. Obviously, Pete DeBoer is fired right after. Um, I did not get a chance to ask that question, but yes, Pete DeBoer went to a Stanley Cup final with Lou Lamarillo the last time Lou went to a Stanley Cup final, and has been to one since. Went to the Western Conference Final last year and the year before, and the year before that. Yeah, and the year mm-hmm. before that. And he gets fired after the Islanders already hired their coach. So what like, something's gotta be going on behind the something's scenes. Something's going I mean, on. It has to be. I think it has to be that Lane was gonna take the Detroit job. Yeah. I mean I I believe it was us three on the show when we were talking about if DeBoer should be fired or not. Um And I, I said he probably would be. And I and I think me and Quiggs are on the side that he shouldn't be fired, and I still stand by that. I don't really see why he was fired after the season, the the couple seasons that he had, um, I makes absolutely no sense to me that Lamorello hired somebody else before letting this play out because the same day, a better coach just got fired and could have been the perfect opportunity for him to come in and lead this Islanders team back to where they were the previous two seasons. But um, I hope it works out. But I I don't agree with that move at all. I don't like that he's coming out publicly and saying they need a new voice in the locker room and just putting a voice in the 
back in the locker room who's been there for how long, Chris? Four years. Four years. That, that's not a new voice yeah, to me. as long as Strauss I mean, been there. So, like, uh, that, that makes no sense to me, and I hate that move. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit strange. I think uh, with the I you mentioned this on the on the emergency episode. You definitely want to have your coaching hired done by the off season because that's by the draft. You know that that is yes by the draft. That's how you attract you know free agents. I mean with the draft and and with the coaching. So I don't know. I, I guess I see why they were so hasty about uh, you know announcing it, making the decision. But yeah, if they had let just a little bit more play out maybe they would have a few more options unless this was of course the plan all along do we know who the other options were no they never said but i mean peter laviolette was not going to get fired by the capitals but that's a team that lost would you like to have sheldon keith personally i wouldn't like let's look at the teams who lost mike sullivan not going to get fired um what's his name bruce cassidy not going to get fired peter laviolette not going to get fired sheldon keith i'm not a huge fan of i don't think i would want dean evanson probably not going to get fired Todd McClellan, probably not going to get fired. Rick Bonus could be available. He could leave. So that's two options there. Then you have DeBoer, who hadn't been fired yet. You have other assistants who might want to leave. You have Lindy Ruff. I wouldn't want Lindy Ruff, but he could be fired by the Devils. So, I don't know. I feel like there's more options. I feel like the coaching carousel really hasn't ended yet. It's not like the NFL, where everybody gets fired the day after the mm-hmm. season ends. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think... I, I think that, yeah, I agree with you. This was not a, you know, there is no Rooney rule where you have to, you know, not not in the race sense, but in, in this, there isn't a Rooney rule that you have to tell everybody who you're interviewing and you have to post it on Twitter and all that, and there isn't a Rooney rule in the sense of you don't have to interview minority candidates, and that's a different conversation we can have for a different day. But at the end of the day, it sounds like Lou could have interviewed one person and hired him, and that's what it feels like happened. Do you see Barry Trotz going to Vegas? No, I see him going to Winnipeg. I see Vegas offering him $10 million a year, though. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say no to, but like you said, he has ties to Winnipeg, um, of course, being from there. so I could also sneaky see him going to Florida. Florida. I mean, that is where people go to retire. That That is an old person community for yes, sure. Yes. I mean, he's only 59. He's going to be 60. At the hey, start Tom Brady's that's, only 44. We thought he was going to retire. Yeah, it is. It is. Lambert's only 57. That's the, Like, he's not that much younger than Trotty. He looks yeah. like great hair, too. Great hair. Fantastic hair. Um, Weird yeah. move. Weird move. I agree. I agree. Um, so this is it. This is the final episode for all three of us. Um, I want to thank you guys for putting up with my uh, my ridiculousness over the past however long it's been. Um, and to Tyler, Sam, Jackson, everybody. Uh, 91 episodes is a lot of episodes of 5 on 3. And that's I counted how many I did. So thank you guys. Um, I don't know if you have any final words. Or, I know, Quig, you're not done yet. You I'm not it. done yet. I mean, honestly, like maybe maybe they'll ask me to come back on the on the podcast yeah, maybe they if will. the Rangers keep winning. Maybe uh, one can hope, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be here for Game Three because I have to go down to Butler, Pennsylvania, win a national yeah. championship for Good luck to baseball. You. Um, but no, it's been an absolute honor to uh, hop on this podcast with you. I mean, I know five on three will be so much different without you because you've kind of wow. uh, been the f- the face, the voice of this podcast, I suppose, <laughs> um, for the past four years. So. Uh, it's been great fun and, uh, you know, bittersweet end, but, um, you know, time to move on. There's Nick DeLuca, the voice of Fordham basketball. There's Chris Hennessy, <laughs> the voice of, of five, five on three, three. WFUV <laughs> Sports. Yeah, it's been, it's been a blast, man. We, we've been doing this podcast since the first year I got here in 2019, and it's been amazing. Got to cover some some cool games with you, the Islanders-Rangers, yep. um, the Andrew Kopp first period. Patrick game was a blast. Um, it, the, the podcast is fun. Love talking hockey with you guys all the time. Sam... Colin, everybody else involved, Jackson, uh, 
Jack Caldwell, yep. everybody. Matt Constantini, um, Nick it's Lehman. Been, yep. Matt Bunzo, it's, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Absolutely. I miss it. Maybe I get another Rangers game in. I'm not sure. It's not like I'm looking through the glass to the producer right now, but we'll see. Maybe we have, maybe we have some more reports going on. Um, definitely true. Uh, and I know we're leaving it in the best of hands as well with Tyler. I, and I think I should mention, I do want to just one more time issue an apology out to Susan Sarandon uh, <laughs> because I know now that Shout you are out. not Sigourney Weaver. Shout out Sigourney Weaver. Shout out Sigourney Weaver. Both um, great actresses. Both great actresses. Um, and, and shout hope- out Doubleheaders. That's where I'm headed next. <laughs> and uh, Thomas Quigley once covered a doubleheader not knowing he was covering a doubleheader. That's yes. Nice. I also, That's a true yeah, story. Same thing happened with us when we uh, covered a doubleheader yeah. yeah. in yeah, guys game cover- one. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. is true. That did yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, so thank you to Ryan Gregler for producing this monstrous episode of Five on Three. Uh, we'll be well. I won't, but the episode will be back at some in some capacity next week to talk about the second round. We hope you stay tuned uh, for that. For Thomas Quigley and Mike Messina, I am Chris Hennessy. We they will talk to you then. Go Rags, baby. <laughs> <laughs>